everybody. This is Matthew Rosenberg and Jared Skinner with Defective by Design Podcast. How are you doing today, Jared? Doing well. How are you, Matthew? I'm doing pretty awesome. So we want to welcome you all today. Uh, we're going to tell you a little bit about how we got to know each other and what we're going to talk about. Uh, essentially, we're talking about design and architecture and not everything that's wrong with it, but really everything that's wrong with it. <laughs> yeah. In a nutshell, basically. Yeah. In a nutshell. Yeah. So Jared and I met each other. We found we had one thing in common. I'm sure there's many, but the biggest <laughs> thing is that we both grew up in the world of architecture and are still growing up and realized that there's a lot of people with the same attitude on the industry as us and that there's a fair bit of problems that are actually quite common amongst everybody. And so we thought it could be really interesting if we actually start a dialogue about what architecture is, what the design industry is, what we're living in, and really hopefully finding some solutions and some tools that will help young entrepreneurial architects grow up and really change the industry because that's what Jared and I are trying to do day by day here. Yeah, and I mean, the field of architecture is so kind of stuffy nose, right? I mean, it's it's all uh, kind of follow the rules. Everything's been done the same way for, for such a long time. And we're just kind of giving our, our new kind of fresh take on it, how we've kind of come about in the world of architecture and... Uh, you know, just kind of help people along the way if anybody wants to do anything different, right? I mean, this is Defective by Design. We're going to help kind of give you our tools for the best way to defect. So hopefully you guys, uh, yeah, kind of uh, pick up on, on something that we lay down. And where can we find you online, Jared? Yeah, so uh, our website uh, is made.design. Company is, uh, is Made Design. Uh, Instagram, you can find us at made.arch, A-R-C-H. And you can follow me on Snap if you want at A-R-K-T-K-T. Nice. And you can find my company, MRAD Architecture, uh, online at our website, m-rad.com, or on Instagram at MRAD Architecture. We do also have a Twitter account now, which is MRAD Architects. Uh, we hope you guys reach out to both of us at any time and start some dialogue uh, as you listen to these podcasts, and hopefully we can learn from each other. Yeah, awesome. Uh, so, Matthew, go ahead and uh, give everybody kind of a, your background and, uh, and how you got to where you're at now. Yeah, sweet. So, I'm a Canadian-born and made uh, designer who's found his way to Los Angeles. I've been here about 10 years now. But I was born on the endless prairie sky of Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. Uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm going to tell you a small joke, although it's really just a statement and most of it's <laughs> true. They say when your dog runs away in Saskatchewan that you can see it running away for four days. And I'm definitely going to get I'm definitely going to get the heat from a lot of people for that one. But there oh, it is. Nice. My last joke of this session. <laughs> I promise. Nice. So I, I traveled the world. I spent a year really just exploring myself and exploring architecture. Uh, I've done a few degrees, studied at McGill University, Dalhousie University, have a Bachelor of Environmental Design in Architecture. I studied at the Louvre in Paris. Uh, I've worked in many different places around the world. And 
found myself studying at SciArc in downtown Los Angeles in the Arts District where I did my thesis uh, in what some might call architecture, although SciArc definitely <laughs> pushes the boundaries and it's tough to tell sometimes whether architecture is coming out of there, but yeah. that's where I sort of fell in love with Los Angeles and have been here ever since, minus a year stint working in Beijing at MAD Architects. But since then, you know, I moved back here and realized that I could either look and search and interview for a job, or I could look and search and try to find clients. And the clients actually ended up being quite a bit easier for me than having to sit and work for someone else. And here we are today, almost five years later with, uh, 15 people on staff and projects all over the world. And I, you know, I couldn't be any more excited than at this time we are right now. That's awesome. So man. that's, that's our, that's our last 20 years. How, how about you, Jared? <laughs> how did you end up, uh, speaking with me on defective by design? Oh, geez. Uh, so I grew up in a, in a tiny, uh, quiet Southern town uh, called Greenwood, which I guess when I grew up was about population of maybe seven, 8,000. I mean, it was tiny. The, the Friday Night Lights uh, movie kind of t- uh, town, if you've, if you've seen Friday Night Lights. Love it. It's all about football, yeah. Um, so then I, I went up to uh, University of Arkansas in Fayetteville, got my Bachelor's of Architecture from the Faye Jones School of Architecture and Design, uh, studied at the UA Rome Center in Rome, Italy, traveled around for a little while, um, ended up moving down here to Dallas, Worked for GFF and Corgan, a few uh, corporate stints, and uh, just kind of really noticed that a lot of things were money-driven, um, which I guess makes sense in some way, but whenever you're sacrificing design uh, in some ways or not being creative enough to utilize both, it seems like there's there's an issue there. So um, met my co-founder, Shema Hyder, while I was down here in Dallas, and really we just... Uh, there was no no chance in our in our meeting, you know. It was it was definitely meant to happen because everything aligned too greatly. She had some great points on her take uh, of how things were going in the design realm and the marketing realm, and uh, we decided to, to start our own firm and and see if we can kind of reconnect consumers and millennials with modern day design and uh, and really just kind of to to change. Uh, the realm of architecture as best we can, um, starting in Dallas and uh, and working our way out. So, uh, ran across Matthew's website, saw that they were doing some really cool shit, and uh, reached out to him. Met out for uh, for lunch whenever we were in LA, and we had a lot in common with uh, architecture and kind of design in general. And here we are now, uh, shooting a podcast. Yeah, it's awesome. I mean, I think the biggest thing. Uh, between us is, and I've said this many times before, but we are wholeheartedly trying to revolutionize the industry of architecture. And perhaps it sounds cliche when you're trying to really just disrupt and, you know, these words get tossed around, but architecture industry is the one that hasn't changed for a long period of time. We have a lot of history built up from it. And now is the time more than ever before markets are changing, communities are changing, people are changing, technology. And for some reason, the architecture industry has been stagnant for far too long in my mind. And I think we're at a point now 
where it's asking for change and, and we're here between you and I to really revolutionize that not just in terms of design but more so in terms of how the business operates how we can learn from other industries and cross-discipline and bring them in to architecture and learn what works in tech and what is the medical industry doing to to change you know how ERs operate and really understanding I don't know biomimicry but understanding space travel all of this stuff needs to be brought into our industry and I think that's how we're going to be able to revolutionize this by us just starting the conversation and realizing that there's serious change needed I mean you and I both studied architecture in several places and still to this day students are working endless nights I mean I had multiple nights in a row where I literally was awake and did not sleep and I can promise you so did you and so did everybody it's true so did everyone else you know you have that in common and that's crazy because you know you work your ass off for 10 years studying just like maybe a doctor would or in law you know there's a lot of education and it's that way because it's a service industry and people trust you and there's liabilities but then my biggest question and maybe you have an answer if you do that's great because we'll be able to accelerate the the revolution a lot faster but why is it that we work our ass off leave architecture school only to have to take 13 more tests and work for another 10 years to get licensed and then another 30 years to get paid the wage that we should be paid. Everybody's underpaid in this industry, and you hear it over and over. Architects and designers just complain constantly. And so I'm surprised, actually, that more people aren't trying to do what we're doing and really look at the whole business infrastructure because the amount of people that are unhappy in the industry is just shocking to me. Oh, yeah, it's astronomical. I mean... And the thing is, is I've talked to several people across the board and they all feel the same way, right? But uh, it's, it's this kind of fraternal view of, of hazing, which is, you know, why do I have to go through this? Well, it's just kind of always been that way, so you just got to deal with it. And nobody's really questioning this or changing this, and I think this is exactly what you're hitting on is, you know, maybe we don't have the answer right now, but starting the dialogue and trying to kind of work towards something, questioning everything and kind of uh, hopefully reaching upon some solution in the near future. I mean, that's the best we can do right now is kind of work towards the end goal, even though we might not see what that end goal is. At least we're starting the discussion, and, and hopefully that's what this podcast is about, is sparking more of a discussion with other people, opening the dialogue. People can comment, leave us messages, emails, let us know. You know, the more people that kind of rally behind this and kind of have other thoughts or views on it, you know, it, it's, it's all about the broad spectrum and trying to find a, a cohesive answer for this. Yeah, and it's not about, uh, you bring up a good point, let's start a dialogue, but let's not continue the, the way, the rhetoric that's really been proliferated now over the last 20, 30, or even longer years in that we just complain about the industry and the hours and the low wages forget that part we understand that already let's exactly. let's really look for solutions so I, i'll sort of pose to you jared you know do you see any 
big moves we can make or maybe small day-to-day -day moves that really can start adjusting the way that architecture, business, and, and the industry can, can move. Well, I mean, we talked about this before. That that would be the the end all, uh, be all of the of the answers, right? If we... You don't, you don't have the answer <laughs> yeah. for us, Jared. If I had the answer, I would be uh, I would be not only a billionaire, but uh, probably uh, in several books and textbooks uh, by now. But yeah. I well, mean... we're hoping we're hoping everyone here gives <laughs> us the answer so that we can write a few books and then we can all share the wealth. That's right. If I don't have the answer, somebody surely listening will be able to to give the answer. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I think it's, it's just like, like I said before, it's questioning everything and, and everybody that I talk to, um, it's, it's that they feel that something needs to be done and they realize there's a problem, but there's this hopeless feeling of, um, well, there's kind of this, this government, uh, uh, entity or like this huge conglomerate that kind of oversees everything and, how how am I this one lone designer gonna gonna change everything? You know they're they're not gonna listen to me. So it's just kind of this head down, back at the desk, do the work, and take your lashes and and take your small pay, and then you're okay, and you just deal with it. And so, do you think it's the governing board that's inflicting this pain on us, or or what is it? Oh yeah, I you know I don't want to directly call them out, but I'm gonna directly call them out. Uh, you know, I, I think that there's a lot of things that, yeah, the AI does do that is restrictive. And you did it. Yep, you I called them it. out. That's it, yeah. <laughs> uh, and I think, yeah, it does. It puts a stranglehold on a lot of designers. And in a creative field, there shouldn't be this much red tape, right? You shouldn't have to jump through all these hoops. To The, the definition of being creative is having no bounds and being free to have as much imagination and creativity as you as you can and when you stifle all of this and you put so many regulations on it so many fees to be paid whenever you're still struggling to come out of architecture school which i would argue is one of the most expensive majors there is i mean it's it's really kind of it's it's putting a hold on the development of a designer from the get-go yeah it's a good point uh <laughs> It's it's unfortunate, I guess. We, and j just to note, we we should offer uh, the AIA. You know, I'd like to actually call on the the president, but perhaps a representative to start to interview and talk with us about Absolutely. this, so everyone gets their voice. Yeah, I would love to hear from uh, from somebody just to at least uh, open the discussion. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's tough to it's tough to say because I think they're trying to add some just perhaps not government, but I guess some boundaries to the industry. And I think the industry always had them. It's sort of unfortunate The I think they're still trying to figure it out. You know, they, they waver back and forth every few years because either not, not enough people are getting licensed and so they have to, you know, release the chains a little bit so that people start getting licensed. And there's a lot of back and forth and it gives instability to what we see is uh, hopefully a very stable industry, but in reality, it's really market driven. And when the governing body can't really control what's happening, I don't think it helps. I, th there is there is one body that's I think trying to not put up a fight, but fix the problem from the inside. The ABA has been pushing to get students licensed as they graduate from from a master's of architecture, which 
I think a lot of people would be supportive of, but they've had some big issues. You know, I've I've sat down with them multiple times to discuss how to do that, but they have to do it from the inside because the AIA does not plan on giving up too quickly. So I think it needs to be a sort of a balancing act and everyone needs to be able to work together. And if the AIA wants to help the industry, I think they need to start having some real discussions with the ABA, with obviously Jared and I on Defective by Design and some other big name architects who even like Bjarke Ingels tried to get licensed in New York through his other licensure, but they wouldn't let him. I mean, and he's built how many buildings? What's that What's that telling everyone else when he's clearly capable of rallying the right people and consultants and everybody to get the job done and they won't license him? I mean, it's, it's crazy. It's just illogical. It doesn't make any sense, really. Yeah, and, and I think that just reinforces exactly what we're trying to do here. Um, you know, <clears throat> I've been watching a lot of these Gary Vee videos. Do you, you ever watch any of his, uh, his motivational videos? Sure. Yeah, and he, he's always talking about, you know, so the government put restrictions on his company, so he just worked around them, you know, in a legal way, obviously. Um, but this is the same way, right? I mean, if they're going to put restrictions on, on Bjark, you know, he's not a registered architect, but he's arguably one of the most well-known architects uh, in the U.S. If you ask any student of architecture right now, that's probably one of the first ones that comes to mind. And like you said, he's had plenty of buildings built. He's able to rally the troops he needs to get done. And in a creative way, uh, some would argue maybe not so much, but, you know, uh, maybe some of his initial works were. Um, sure, but the AIA isn't, isn't looking at creativity. It's looking right. at legality. It's looking at how they can make money. It's looking at everything else. So exactly. if you're looking at those cases, I mean, I'm sure you would agree, but those don't hold up. Right. And I'm not too familiar with the ABA, so maybe you can uh, kind of lecture me a little bit. Like, what what makes um, what makes the ABA not as recognized uh, or the ruling body over the AIA? Like, how do they compare to to one another? Well, so essentially, and I'm, you know, I'm not sure they've been back and forth. I'm not sure if they've actually been able to accredit any schools yet, but it's the American Board of Architecture, and essentially, they're working with schools to. Of course, they're going to have to work with the AIA because if they don't, the AIA will sue them, which they've proven to be very good at <laughs> across across our industry. Speaking from uh, from personal experience. No, 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 <laughs> no, 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 no. Of course not. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so they're yeah they're re- really working with the institutions and seeing if they can find ways to accredit those institutions with licensed architects as they leave those schools. Okay. Um, it's and. Unfortunately, it's a legal battle. That's the truth. It's whoever puts up the biggest fight in court. Uh, but that's how it goes. I mean, even you were explaining, uh, you know, these leadership guys, and they change industries because they do it by the rules and adjust those rules a little bit. And so, you know, as a company, MRAD's not really trying to change the rules, but we are changing the scope of the architect. We're, so this is sort of how we're trying to revolutionize it is we're pulling outside of architecture. So we extend it before architecture. We do zoning analysis. We source development deals. We assemble properties. 
we research communities and cities of the past so that we can figure out the best developments for the cities of the near and distant future, whether it be 10, 30, 100 years. We want to know what might work in the future. And as architects and designers, that's really critical. And I think developers actually push that agenda more so than architects. And so our role is really now bringing these developments to life and sourcing them and bringing the developers and equity to the table. So we don't wait for our projects to come anymore, we create them. And what that does is it gives us a little piece of the pie, right? We're bringing in capital, which allows us to chew off a little bit of the equity, along with taking a design fee and designing and urban planning and bringing in consultants that we want. And then we do the architecture. And then beyond the architecture, we start designing those spaces for end users. So Yes, we do the interiors, we do ground up, we do the furniture so that each place really gets custom designed for an enhanced memorable experience, whether it be a candle, a smell, a new type of sidewalk or material that you touch. All those things come into play to create an MRAD space. And between the pre and post architecture, I wholeheartedly think that this is what's gonna revolutionize the industry and you know, not to say the AIA should go away, but it will be irrelevant after a while because we could either bring in other architects or architects, it'll sort of dissolve because they're not making enough money to survive unless they extend beyond the scope of the architect. Right. Yeah. And so another question for you is, so how do you, how do you kind of sell your your design and everything to the community or to the um, uh, the powers that be, right? That that kind of uh, sign off on everything. That your your design is is better for the community than maybe what some other developer or some other kind of uh, contractor has kind of you know muddled together to to create something. And and he wants to put like uh, two like fast food chains in here, but you know that what the community really needs is maybe like a community center or maybe like a design center or something. Yeah, and I think that's what we already know as architects, right? right. We, we talk to the people, we talk to the neighbors and we do that anyway, or we should be. And often, and I hate to say it, but developers are looking at the numbers, they're looking at the market, they're looking at underwriting for the next 10, 15, 20 years on cap rates. And they're not looking at what the new technology that will change the neighborhood in the next three years is because, you know, those technologies are changing communities a lot faster than even we realize. So the way to do it is now that we hold control of these properties before they're even developed, we've done so much research into the history of cities and neighborhoods and can incorporate the future technologies into these ideas and development opportunities that once, you know, we have one project we're working on where we've secured $100 million just for the land acquisition. So to get those guys interested in something, in an idea, is very, very exciting. But they were interested in the idea of community and neighborhood and branding a whole new city street. So that's, I think, very exciting because once they're excited about something like that, I think it's inevitable that people are going to be attracted to a new, uh, I, I know branded is a terrible word, but really a new type of city block. 
and people want new things these days and while it may be a bit of a testing ground and we don't know for sure whether it will work the we still have to work with city planning boards like you were mentioning there's always a there's always someone who will stop this process and if we're not working with city planning and building and safety from day one you're absolutely right we'll never get it through anywhere and so that's a huge thing that you've brought up that it's not just neighborhoods communities and developers but make sure you guys are talking and you know making friends enough with everyone at the city so that you know what they want and what other factors are going into writing code that's the biggest that's where we started is we learned every piece of code we can and the second it changes we want to know it and that's not just in los angeles but we're taking zoning analysis across north america united states canada we're starting to tap into different global markets because that's where your knowledge will come and that's how you know what you can build well i think that's i think it's a pretty huge uh win actually if if you can have these developers and uh <clears throat> these kind of investors that are really backing this idea of uh, the sensitivities within the community or the things that you guys are really trying to address as opposed to just uh, the numbers that you want to hit for uh, your return rate in the next month. I mean, that's that's huge, right? If that catches on and more of, of the investors and developers kind of start to realize that there's more to this and will have a lasting impact and will be better for the communities and Basically, everything that, that we learn in school matters more uh, or as much as the return rate for their investment, then that's a huge win. I mean, that, that, could, that could change so many things, you're right, in, in the long haul of the game. Yeah, absolutely. We've, given, we've been given the, the knowledge and expertise now to, I think, put these different programs together and analyze what might happen. Nobody ever knows, but at least let's start pushing better communities and neighborhoods and mixing community centers with retail, with co-work, and with totally new ideas that none of us have even spoken about yet. But let's put them together and let's experiment and let's look at what they generate in terms of unique characteristics and streetscapes and conversations between neighbors because I know that I only talk to a couple of my neighbors. There's a lot I don't even speak to, and it's really kind of a shame. Yeah, that's a, yeah, that's a that's a very good point. And also, not to not to switch everything up uh, 180 degrees, but I was going to ask you after speaking about all the investors and, and developers and everything, did you learn anything about the business world in architecture school? How to sustain a practice? How to make money and, and <laughs> rhetorical questions yeah, and how to do it at a younger age than 60 which is whenever they tell you that you might actually start <laughs> making a paycheck oh uh, yeah that you didn't learn all of that in architecture school <laughs> no i did i'm just asking if you oh, did right? okay good all right well maybe you could share with me and the rest of our listeners <laughs> uh, the answer is no yeah <laughs> None of it. I mean, you know, even the real estate side, I've spent the last couple of years just trying to figure figure it out. I We never learned any of this. I never learned how to write a check even to <laughs> employees. I mean, there is so much that goes into it. It's totally daunting, but it's only daunting because the information wasn't provided where it should have been. 
So, yeah. you know, the instant it's AIA is definitely not the only one to blame here. And, you know, to stay on the light note, Jared and I aren't looking to blame anybody by any means. Yeah. We, yeah. we just want to bring to light what most of us already know. And, you know, certain institutions are per- pushing certain agendas. Uh, but all the, if these institutions want to find some accreditation potential in terms of licensure through ABA or really any other board so that people can leave happy and they actually draw a whole new a whole new body of students that find, oh, I don't have to spend another 10 years getting accredited. I, I really want to be an architect. I can do that at this school and learn how to run a business and learn how to build a building, but also learn how to be creative and unique. I think that's, you know, the one institution that might be missing. So perhaps we need to start a new institution. I don't know if that's <laughs> the answer. I think what we're trying to do is lead by example and really you know, lay out the forefront of what architecture will be in the near future. And so hopefully those institutions follow and understand that architecture is not what it used to be five or 10 or 50 years ago, but it's what you and I are laying the path for. It's derived from the actual real world business that doesn't get boring. We still design crazy ass buildings that we're building now. And those buildings are crazy because they're better light, air, vegetation potential for growing vertical gardens. They're not crazy for being crazy. They're, they're crazy because they're different than all the other crap that's been built on the city because developers could underwrite that quickly. Exactly. Huge tangent, I'm sorry. But no, yes, no, no. Like... <laughs> but this is, just, uh, this is just kind of our perspective on it from going to school and being in the design realm and seeing it firsthand, speaking to colleagues and friends and everybody who's going through the same thing we were, trying to get licensed and take tests and get your hours done. And so this is just, this is just a firsthand take from us uh, and our perspective on, on everything. Um, so thank you guys so much for joining us today on this Defective by Design podcast. Jared, where can we find you online? Yeah, uh, made.design is a website. Um, you can follow us on Instagram at made.arch. And you can follow me on Snap at ARKTKT. Nice. And you can find my company, MRAD Architecture, at our website. It's www.m-rad.com and on Instagram at MRAD Architecture. We have a Twitter account at MRAD Architects. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Yeah, awesome. Thanks, guys.